Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fugae to Fugazi. Joining me today to discuss Night Shop from 2001's The Argument is Eric Essek, a teacher, artist, and musician from Grand Rapids, Michigan. How you doing, Eric? Great, Ian. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I love the show. Been a fan ever since uh, since you started, and uh, I'm really honored that you had me. Yeah, I'm on today. I appreciate you uh, being a longtime listener, and it's uh, it's cool to have guests on just from uh, everywhere and all walks of life. I myself have been at times a musician and teacher. It's kind of like a once a teacher, always a teacher sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I I, I was I taught for about eight years, and then I got out of it, but. Uh, I could only stay out of it for about eight months, and then I got got right back into it. So, what sort of a teacher I, I are you? Um, right now, I am a middle school science teacher. So, um, I'm really, you know, I really kind of specialize in in biology. But right now, they have me kind of teaching every every kind of science class, which has been really kind of a cool experience for me because I'm starting to revisit things I haven't, you know, haven't thought about since I was in middle school myself. It's funny the 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 one concrete thing I ever remembered from middle school was uh, our science teacher teaching us like the in order the most electrically conductive elements and oh. so I had that memorized and it's mm-hmm. just one of those things that stuck in my head and then a couple of years ago I looked it up and it was it was wrong so Oh no. <laughs> That's too bad. Sorry. <laughs> at, at least it, it was like uh I guess the the exact order was wrong, but at least right. I have an idea of, of sort of what they are. Um, <laughs> yeah, go silver. <laughs> so we're here to talk about Fugazi, and I always like to ask my guests, you know, what's the nature of your fandom? How did you get into the band, and did you get to see them live? And uh, any anything particularly notable that you feel like saying about it? Right, yeah, so... um. You know, growing up, I I spent um, most of my well, I'd say until I was about nine or ten years old, living in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, and um, my dad took a job. Um, I think it was 1989. My dad took a job in Louisville, Kentucky, and I don't know if you've ever been to Louisville, Kentucky, um, but I've been to Louisville the, one time. It's it's funny. I recently had a couple of emails just from listeners to the show who were from Louisville. And I think I, you know, said the same thing to both of them, which is, you know, I asked them about ear ecstasy. There's this great record yeah. store. Oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah I, I was, guess. I was on like a little tour of the, the Southern or the Southeastern United States uh, with yeah. the band I was in. And yeah, mm-hmm. we were in Louisville. We did a show there. And that's like the one thing I remember is like how great that record store was and how I oh, was so very you, sad to hear had, that it closed. Yeah. That's good that you got to see it before it closed down. Yeah. It's a great shop. I still have some, some ear ecstasy uh, bumper stickers just kind of plastered here and there on on some of my possessions. Great nice. record store, yeah. Um, so yeah, I moved to Louisville, and the 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 local music scene, um, the punk scene down there was was pretty incredible. Um, for um, you know, and really eye opening. Um, I had been kind of aware of punk rock music ever since I was little. My dad took um, my dad took me to Dublin, Ireland, I think, in 1987, and I remember seeing punks in in 
downtown Dublin, Ireland with the, you know, Doc Martens and spiky hair and safety pins and all that. And I was really fascinated by it. Um, and then when I moved to Louisville a couple of years after that, there was punk rock music um, and a lot of, a lot of punk rock bands in Louisville that I was really attracted to at that age. Um, and, and it's, you know, it seemed that, that there was quite a few kids my age too, um, that were into that music. And I remember getting, um, a, uh, a copy of the, uh, Wasted Again compilation by Black Flag on cassette and just listening to that over and over and over again. And, um, I thought that was, you know, that was really cool. And I was really into that music. Um, I had a really good friend, um, who, who was into, to punk music at the time too. And his brother, his older brother was into, into some punk. And, um, I remember being over at their house once and, um, his brother came down out of his room and he's wearing this t-shirt. And I thought it was the strangest t-shirt because it said, this is not a Fugazi t-shirt. And I, I, I didn't understand, I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand the joke. I just, well, if it's not a Fugazi t-shirt, what is it? And then, and then, and that word Fugazi was just really strange to me. I'd never seen it before. Um, I don't know if it was the same time I was over there or not too, not too long after I had spent the night and I was woken up to this, this really, really catchy bass line coming from his brother's uh, stereo that this kind of went into this really infectious chorus. And of course it was waiting room. Of course. So that was that, yeah, that was the first song I heard. And, um, I was really into it. Um, and, uh, you know, gosh, I was probably at this point, maybe 11, 12 years old. Um, so I went out and I got the, uh, the first, um, EP on cassette. And then from there, um, you know, I, I, I got repeater and this kind of, you know, was into the band. Um, I think when I was younger, I was more into Ian's stuff a little bit more than, than what Guy was doing. Um, I kind of liked, appreciated Ian's bark a little bit more. Um, and, uh, um, in fact, I heard, I didn't hear Minor Threat until probably four or five years after I heard Fugazi. Um, so uh, yeah, I was really kind of into more of that, um, that edgier part of the band. It wasn't until a little bit later when I, when I started to get a little bit older that I really started to fully appreciate the, um, you know, this, the breadth of, of, of what they were capable of. And I think, you know, the argument, um, is, you know, probably my, my favorite album by them. Um, and it's this, it's kind of, um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, where, where they would have gone with that, you know, get, taking that trajectory. Um, yeah, absolutely. The There's some real new sonic textures, which I'm sure we yeah. will be discussing uh, <laughs> very soon. Yeah, right. yeah, that's so true. Did you did you get a chance to see Fugazi live? Yeah, one time, um, and that was um, I had moved back to Grand Rapids for college, and then moved back down to Louisville for graduate school. And that was um, 2002, and um, it was uh, in April. Um, they had played with um, Shipping News and Rachel's, which were um, kind of um, big favorites of mine, um, uh, Louisville bands. Um, they played at an at a, um, auditorium in, a, in an old high school there. And uh, in fact, one of your old guests, one of your former guests, um, James, 
Vidito? Vidito? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was at that show, <laughs> and uh, there um, there's actually a recording of the show where you can see him um, during the first. I think it was Cash Out they played, and um, the mic. Ian needs Ian waved to indicated to the audience that he needed the microphone brought over to him. Yeah, I jumped, saw that yeah. clip. Either James either posted it on uh, uh, this podcast Facebook group or the. Uh... Fugazi Appreciation yeah, Society, but yeah, basically Ian's holding his guitar against his amp, doing some feedback yep. stuff, and he sort of like yeah. reaches out for the mic stand, and James hands it to him so he can do the vocals at the end. That's yeah, it's a really cool clip. I'll try to uh, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I, I do remember that show too. There was a <laughs> a part where um, a guy rushed up on stage right at the beginning of I believe it was merchandise that they they started playing, and he he dove off the stage, and Ian immediately stopped the stopped the the song and and kind of uh gave him a talking to and if you <laughs> if you only get to see Fugazi one time in your life you kind of hope something like that happens right to get the full yeah. experience if you get a chance I'd watch that that entire show it's pretty it's pretty entertaining and it's, it's some pretty good footage yeah sounds good uh looks I'm yep. I'm checking out the track list right now looks like a pretty good one um I'm I'm assuming one of these interludes is uh is Ian scolding somebody. Nice. And uh yeah. <laughs> but uh not featured on this track list is the song we're talking about today, Night Shop from The Argument. Um it it definitely got played. It's it wasn't like a exactly a rarity except mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, it was uh, only released on an album in 2001, and they w- didn't play live after that too much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I was able to check out some live examples and see how yeah. they handled it. Yeah, um, I I see they the first time they played it looked like they played it at Fort Reno in '99. Oh, interesting! During, I didn't look that up. Yeah, yeah. During a shortened, uh, it was shortened by the rain, of course. But uh, yeah, I think that I was probably there then. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it looks like the first few times they, they played it, you know, before it was, it was released, it was more of a, kind of an instrumental. Hmm. Yeah. And it, it seems like, like that's a sort of common thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to find much uh, about this song in particular, as far as any of the band members talking about it. So no, the, the only thing I wanted to say off the front is that uh, Jerry Busher is credited with some additional percussion in the liner notes. Yep. And um, maybe that's the tambourine we hear on this track. Yeah. And also, it seems that in some live versions, like I was listening to the, uh, the version from their last show, actually, um, mm-hmm. in 2002, uh, it seems like he is playing trumpet on that oh. uh basically where the where the crazy synth sequence freak yeah. out, uh yep. goes on the on the album track okay so okay. yeah jerry uh jerry rocked this one out a little bit i had i don't i didn't know that i'm gonna have to check that one out after we're done talking here yeah great um so cool uh, other than that um i'll hand it to you eric w- what do you think is the first thing we should talk about when it comes to night shop um, you know, the first time I heard it, um, I was just kind of, I thought the, uh, that little riff that Ian plays at the beginning, um, is, was very hip- hypnotic to me. Um, and that's what really kind of, kind of, kind of got me. So it kind of, kind of hypnotized me, um, and just caught me and, and uh, until, yeah, until like you said, when you have that crazy synth, 
uh, freak out uh, towards the end of the song. Yeah, about that little um, lead line, first of all, I was going mm-hmm. to say, uh, at first I just sort of assumed it was Guy. Um, I'm not sure why, um, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I guess it goes to show I still don't exactly know they're playing uh, by the sound of it. But yeah, that's the the Ian well, part. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I knew that I mean, I was just watching live recordings of them playing the sh- playing the song is, is right, is, right, yeah. And yeah, it is hypnotic because it sort of goes on throughout the entire first couple of minutes of the song. Um, one yep. thing that I kind of find endearing about it is. Uh, Ian gets a little bit off rhythm eventually, like uh, toward nah. toward the end of that, of mm-hmm. when he's playing that riff, he gets behind the beat, almost ah. like he's getting fatigued. Um, I sort I sort of doubt that. It's just like because mm-hmm. he's such a such a hardworking. Pr- I I can I can't even imagine him like getting tired in the studio to the point where he's playing too slowly. But right. uh, yeah, it's just one of those imperfections, I guess, of mm-hmm. a track that they chose to keep, which I like. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to uh, pay a little bit closer attention to that next time I, I take a listen. Yeah. Um, I think the, you know, and the addition of the acoustic guitar, I mean, you can hear that, you know, if you look, listen real closely, you can hear that within the first 30 seconds of the song just slowly building. Yeah, it's it's more obvious at sort of a later point in the song, right. but basically it's there throughout the whole thing, just sort mm-hmm. of mirroring what uh i i guess mirroring what Guy's guitar is doing yeah um, it's it's almost more of like a percussion effect just like that right that uh yeah that percussive uh sound of an acoustic guitar rather than yep super duper sounding like an acoustic guitar obviously but yeah it's there yeah. and it really adds to the interesting mix of this song mm-hmm. yeah I, I think something else that contributes to that is so it, the the very beginning of this song, we have Ian's part fading in, and uh, then we have the drums, which are really uh, mixed in this lo-fi way. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I, I actually really, really like that. Yeah, like the way that sounds, and I, I, I also like that. Um, I think what's happening when you know when you can hear the drums really well in the beginning before the vocals come in. It sounds to me like the EQ is being tweaked while the part is playing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it sounds like they're just sort of messing with the curve of the mids and stuff like that. Um, and I, so I have no idea if that's happening at all later in the song. But that's what it sounds like to me. And, yeah. and what's cool is that later on in the song when um, sort of Guy's vocals change from the also lo-fi to the hi-fi stuff he's doing at the end and... Everything is sounding much more traditional Fugazi-ish. It sounds to me like the drums don't really change. Like that snare sound still yep. has this real lo-fi thing going on. I think the obvious choice would have been to like bring everything out to the like full hi-fi goodness uh, at the same time. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a cool choice. Yeah, I mean it definitely works. I think um, on that particular track, I think it's just a kind of hollow, kind of distant. Yeah. And kind of keeping in that that hypnotic feel of the song as i was listening to this song closely it started to occur to me more and more that uh the episode where i had brendan on i was like i I should have asked him about this a little it's it was sort of outside the purview of the uh episode topic talking about the instrument soundtrack but out of all the songs on instrument maybe uh, or out of all the songs on uh the argument 
Um, maybe this one would be the most interesting to ask him about in particular because yeah, yeah, not only because of the drums, but because of the synth part that I alluded to before. That right. I, I am assuming that's what it is, like a sequencer, um, yeah. on a synthesizer that's just set to like play really fast notes. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, That's I weird. mean, I would wager that that is uh, Brendan's idea and, and execution. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like based on stuff he brought to other Fugazi songs that that was probably his touch. But just a yeah. wild guess. It's a cool little sequence at the end. Like it, it's the song is does more or less the same thing for a couple of minutes. And mm-hmm. then they, they sort of like cram all the quote unquote interesting parts into the very end, yeah, um, sequentially. Yeah, and then with the hand claps and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's before that. Weird. There's there's this part that's like goes up and down like. Yep. I always just in my mind think of as the Wizard of Oz part. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like. I guess it's because the music in Wizard of Oz is like kind of reminds me of that. Not that close at all, but I just always think of it as the Wizard of Oz part. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. They have that crazy wild um, synth breakdown. Um, they they have some interesting backing vocals going on. Oh yeah, and I do. Uh, um... I do want to talk about that. The um, when they're doing that that Wizard of Oz part that you're you're talking about, and uh-huh. they they sing uh, "Time to Make or Break," they'll do that twice. Yeah, it sounds um, like the first that, time Ian comes in. Yep, and then the second time, I don't know who's singing it, but they, I mean, it's some great harmonization. I, I yeah, I it sounds and like I, I mean, sounds like three voices to me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was wondering if Joe sings on that, or maybe it's just. Uh, some somebody doing two tracks i don't know yeah yeah i mean it's 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 i mean it really sounds good it sounds good and and uh listening and listening to to them play it live i mean it still doesn't have quite the richness that it does as a studio album but um as a studio recording but it's still you know they they hit on it pretty well yeah definitely and that's probably my probably my favorite part of the song i i, I hate to admit <laughs> Yeah, well, right after that is when that that crazy synth yep. thing happens. I think those are, well, and and right after that, there's this this big acoustic strumming part where the acoustic yep. guitar becomes really obvious. Yep. Uh, I I had initially thought that was Ian playing, but maybe again I'm wrong here. Um, I'm not really sure, but it's it's very you yeah. know, strongly rhythmic. And then yeah, mm-hmm. those those hand claps you talked about came in there. Yep. There's another one of those, um, just uh, three quick hand claps. I think right, one, two, three. So all yeah, all yep. of that stuff is probably my my favorite uh, ele- elements put together of the song. Yeah. Yeah. What's um, what's the what's the song I was just <laughs> I just released an episode about that has those two hand claps? <laughs> oh. Why am I blanking on it right now? <laughs> life and limb. Okay. I think it was life and limb. Yeah, yeah, it was life and limb. Yep. Yeah. I knew we were somewhere around the L's right now. So yes. Yeah. The argument is the real hand clap album, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Based on this trajectory, if they had kept going and making another album, like who knows? They they yeah, they would, there would have just been hand claps all over the place. Right. You know, I was thinking like, you know, I was I was gonna say, oh, this was Fugazi at their peak, but who knows if they ever got to their peak, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're just kind of they're just still kind of to me. That's one um, of the cool things about the argument is that it introduces all this stuff like 
synthesizer, acoustic guitars, Jerry playing additional percussion. Mm-hmm. The opening track has cello on it. Yeah. Um, there's so many things they introduced. I, th- I think I often think of um, end hits as like the real like departure in terms of instrumentation but i guess i guess really to be fair the argument is even more like that it adds so much and yeah just makes you wonder what would have been next yeah i just listened to re-listened to a podcast can't remember what the washed up email podcast Uh i'm familiar with that one and um they had one with gee was a guest um last last january January twenty, yeah. I think I and he was talking to that one. Yeah, and he was just talking about just how he just wanted to keep, you know, just bring bring people into the studio just to to see what would happen um, when they made that album. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't so, even mention the you know, like backing vocals um, by yeah, Kathy their, Wilcox and yeah, who exactly. was Bridget Cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Cool album that way, and and tantalizing uh, to a person who thinks about Fugazi a lot, which I yeah. guess uh, I am. <laughs> to just talk about the the very end of the song in terms of music, there's sort of an ending with real big, uh, bold chords happening. Oh yeah, yep. And, and then, then yeah, those sort of kind of f- fading, fading, disintegrating into the um, into the um. It is the argument, right? Last track. Yeah, yeah. It fades into that. We get a faintest bit of that radio uh, intro to the song Arguments on the last couple seconds of this track. Yeah. Lyrically, uh, this song is... um, What are your thoughts about it? It's a typical Gee song in that I I get an overall feeling, even though there are several lines that I'm not sure specifically what he had in mind. Right. Um, yeah, it seems like a, a song that addresses a certain tension in between um, living as an artist and living more practically. I'll, I'll cite some lines to sure. uh, to tell you what I mean. So in the beginning, he's he's talking about the he wants something real, um, mm-hmm. the fight to feel while your next meal is calling, right? So. It it just makes me think of that that Guy wants to live, or the speaker of this song wants to live in an authentic manner, true to himself, true to his like uh, dearest passions and artistic pursuits. But in opposition to that is the call of having a more stable life, having you know, um, knowing uh, what your next meal is going to be, where it's going to come from, where the money for it is going to come from, and. Um, that sort of brought up later um all that you would issue is capitals in continents capital meaning money i'm i'm right. assuming here mm-hmm. yep. and uh that's the titular line too i was interpreting that way um where i've got no patience i'm nowhere stationed so like out on tour somewhere i guess ad- adrift i'm hanging at the night shop eating shit which first of all uh he talked about uh mentioned coprophagia in fell destroyed and mm-hmm. doing it twice in a musical career is getting to be too much oh man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh i i think by night shop he's talking about like a convenience store yeah that's what i got yeah out of it. so so yeah basically he's i what i get from that is he's talking about being on tour eating crap instead of like somebody who's who, who has created a a really stable career um, with you know wealth and family 
um, at home with his family, eating a home-cooked meal. Uh, instead, he's doing this. But that's the real um, tension in this song. And he ultimately says, if I get to choose, I'll take something real. Yep. Um, and I think that the reality for him here is really being tr- you know, true to the art. And I think in that way, it's... um. It really dovetails nicely with the next track, Argument, which is about Ian's I'm on a mission to never agree. Like, this is the the struggle of his life and maybe how that's difficult at times. So, yeah, it's uh, I think it's two interesting tracks to end the, the album on and their yeah. uh, career of, of records. Yeah. Um, what do you think of, about the line, um, all comic clean, cleaned and scrubbed down, landscaping for a ghost town? while the deficient platform for your head causing you to mistake yourself for dead. I don't think I had an exact interpretation of. Did you have a thought about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I thought, you know, it almost sounds like um, it's kind of talking about someone being brainwashed into having to to subscribe to this 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 lifestyle of, you know, rigidity and consumerism and and um stability yeah i think we can interpret the the meal as just just a general metaphor for consumption and right um yeah once you get into the mindset of uh that kind of consumption being important which you know i think for a lot of people it fills a certain hole in their lives if if they don't have other passions the part where he where he does sing time to make or break find mm-hmm. me somewhere else time that i that i i can't figure out um or or there's there's a brain inside it there's a brain deciding there's a brain inside the brain yeah, yeah the, I, the I brain inside the brain is the most difficult part for me i and listening to the early early recordings um when it was this primarily still um an instrumental song Gee would still sing those those lines, so I'm not yeah. sure if if that was you know if well, he just kept those lines in there. So my or, stab at it is the idea of voices inside your head second guessing um, your your course of actions in life, right? Um, because so maybe what he's talking about is yeah, there there there's certainly like as as much as I've decided on my life is going to be devoted to to art and doing this and making music um there is a voice in my head that's saying um look man you've got you've got to make a certain decision about where you're going especially as you're starting to get older and questioning um if this is the right way to do things and so that it's time to make or break line strikes me as something that maybe that second guessing voice in your head is saying to you um, or right. that other people are saying to you. I think that line is sort of a voice that's a little bit separate from the narrator and like the main thrust of the song. It's like this is what I ask myself sometimes when I'm feeling insecure. Like that that comes back a little uh, later with the line "Who works for who?" Every asshole says. So he, like he brings up something that other people are asking, and um, I I think he considers that question, but. Yeah, again, it's a line that someone else is bringing to this song and that he is reacting to. Right. 
and yeah, after that, it's side saluting emptiness instead. This reminded me of, um, so <laughs> I, I feel like in a couple of recent episodes, I've quoted the Bible, um, and I, I promise this isn't <laughs> becoming like a weird religious podcast, but this also <laughs> brought a Bible passage to mind for me, which is um, Matthew 6, 24, uh, which says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, which mammon is like a, you know, sort of personification of money and material wealth, right? So the traditional interpretation of that is always like, you know, you can't be focused on um, acquiring wealth and be like truly devoted to God and and religion. But I, Mm -hmm. I think that kind of idea can be easily interpreted in a secular way too, where it's, you know, it's basically talking about your not necessarily spiritual, but the pursuit of your passions and what really matters to you in life. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't, <laughs> like maybe maybe some people, um, like the, the stuff they're super interested in is also what will make them a lot of money. Um, but there's also, that brought to mind too, just as I was saying it, there's, did you ever see Citizen Kane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this part where the, um, I think it's Mr. Bernstein, um, the, the where he's like the old man in the frame story. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's talking to the reporter and he says, well, it's no trick to make a lot of money if all you want is to make a lot of money. Like, you can mm-hmm. you can easily become a rich person if you put aside all the things you care about, um, right. art, family, passions, whatever, um, then it's, it's like easy to make a lot of money, but... Um, yeah, again, goes back to that you can't serve two masters idea. What do you think? Is this adding up to an interpretation you can get behind, or did you have like yeah. a, a larger thing that you had in mind? The only other thing I could think about, or you know, when reading the lyrics, the only thing I, I, I really thought about was just maybe that there's, you know, it's this reject, rejecting just this mass consumerism, um, you know, whether it be just you know crap you know whatever whatever that is um you know more junk you don't need more junk in your life you know um and that's that's where i got capitals and continents uh what i took out of that is capitals and continents causing you embarrassment the wet spot on the carpet that you leave as a reminder that you need to me i thought well is it you know you have all this money you know do you do you need to 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 use that money to to have the the coolest new toys, the nicest things to you know to keep up with the neighbors? Hmm. Um, but I, I I could be way off here. Yeah, it's um the the what I just thought of was the thing about the meal is interesting because I don't know it could be referring to <laughs> the the possibility of um uh, of like having a quote unquote good meal but it could be referring to the whatever he's eating at the night shop like yeah <laughs> microwave ramen or a bag of combos or <laughs> something like that the opposition is not set up quite clearly enough for me right. to know um which is yeah that's the difficult thing about gi songs sometimes i feel like it's, no, it's... it's all there but it's not mm-hmm. quite structured and laid out in a way that you can totally follow the train of thought so you just have yeah. to make your best guess at it yeah, you know, I admit I, I I was really struggling trying to figure this this out, rather cryptic to me. But 
I appreciate you making uh, the effort, though. It's like yeah. uh, not everyone's up to interpreting Gee lyrics, especially this one is a pretty long for a Gee song in terms of yeah. the amount of of words there are. I, I in mm-hmm. a lot of his songs, um, you you get less to work with, and they're actually shorter. Maybe a verse is just repeated, um, but this one you do actually get a lot to work with. So um, can't can't complain too much. Do do you think we should? Uh, See what our friends on the Facebook page have to say. Oh, absolutely! Cool. So, yeah, Vishkana, a uh, friend of the show. Like, I feel like at this point, a lot of the uh, people who comment on our Facebook page are friends of the show, former guests, things like that. But uh, right, Vish says, I think it's a fantastic song, and I get that I've got no patience hooky thing in my head all the time. A lot of good hooks on the argument. This is inarguable. Yep. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue against you on that, Vish. Ryan Alberts says, did a spit take the first time I heard that acoustic guitar. And hmm. similarly, Pat Magaldi says, is Night Shop the only Fugazi song to feature acoustic guitar? The production on this song is fantastic. A band at the top of their game. Um, yeah, I I don't think there's another Fugazi song with acoustic guitar. Can you think of one? I, yeah. No, I, can't, I couldn't think of any. Yeah. I... <laughs> I feel like if there is one, I'd, I'm really failing as a Fugazi fan by not thinking of it right now. But <laughs> yeah, Night Shop might be unique in that way. But I don't know. I think it works. Um, yeah. It I, it makes me wonder, like, what other Fugazi songs could they have put acoustic guitar on and it would have sounded really good? It's a good thought experiment. Someone should come up with yeah. a top 10 songs of songs that Fugazi should try with acoustic guitar. Um Simon Young says, I love the song, and the middle eight makes me daydream of Fugazi as a power pop band. Yeah, I guess he's talking about the time to make or break part there. Yep. Yeah. JJ Sorensen says, any Fugazi song with claps is good in my books. Yeah, for sure. Conan Neutron says, killer song and maybe one of the only ones to actually inspire a venue, Night Shop, where Mesthetics have played. Yeah, thanks, Conan. I looked that up. It's in uh, yeah. Bloomington, Indiana, yes? Uh Indi- in in Indiana or Illinois? Or sorry, I it up sorry, too. Illinois. Yeah, I keep mixing yeah. those up. I have a friend who lives in one or the other. And I keep, I keep yeah. forgetting which which is which. Bloomington, yeah, Illinois, no, I, is where Night Shop is, right? Yeah, I looked it up too. It looked kind of like a cool little venue. Yeah. Um, and let's see. Josh Saunders says some great harmonic light and shade on this one, from its mysterious slash enigmatic quality to the more traditional major key guitar riffing at the end. The sped-up mm-hmm. solo-y thing in it is quite fun, too. Definitely a track that makes one think they would have gone more in a direction like this had they done another album. Oh, was he, that sped-up solo thing, was he referring to that part that you thought was the, the synth part? I I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever messed around with synthesizers? Yeah, actually, um, I have a, um, I just bought um, a, uh, a Boss synth uh, guitar pedal. Oh, the, is it the SY1? Yeah, yeah, have you played with that before? I haven't. I've definitely listened to some demos though. It's cool. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's it's uh you can get some crazy sounds out of it. <laughs> but I've um I have a um Korg MS20. Okay. And it's it's sort of like this old analog synthesizer. But I think yeah. I'm trying to remember now. I haven't had an opportunity to to mess with it recently. I think you can sort of like um, you can do a thing where like you get the white noise generator to like actually okay. translate into notes and just make it play really fast, kind of randomly. Um, I 
it sounds to me like it's not random notes. It's like actually a, just a really fast sequence that's that's repeating over and over again. Um, but I don't know. Maybe okay. I'm not listening closely enough. Again, I this is something that right. seems like it would be cool to ask Brendan about. So who yeah. knows? Maybe maybe we'll be able to talk to him again. Um, uh, James Vitito, you mentioned him before, but he commented on the Facebook page. Uh, one of my favorite lines ever: "If I get to choose, I'll take something real." Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really impactful one. Like that's I think we discussed early on in the podcast. If you had to get a Fugazi line tattooed on you, what would it be? <laughs> and I think that's a good choice. Like, if someone were to do that, um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, and he he then goes on to say, I always thought this one had a midnight oil feel to it, which I have to confess, I'm not real familiar with that band. They they're the band that did Beds Are Burning, right? Um, yeah. I don't. Do you know much more about Midnight Oil? No, I you know I I do not. I yeah. hate to admit that I don't. Yeah, it never occurred to me to really look into them more, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have to confess, I'm ignorant. If there are some um, essential songs out there, uh, let me know, guys. Um, I'm talking to you, James. Um, <laughs> Matthew Anson Gravely says, beautiful from start to finish. I especially love how it segues into argument. Niall Letty says, another one with fantastic hand claps. I love the linear style of this composition. Made me wonder which songs might have the most amount of distinguishable different parts in it ah yeah Yeah, that is interesting uh just recently did the long division episode which only has one part basically Mm -hmm. um so yeah and and they certainly have done i mean epic problem comes to mind as Mm -hmm. uh, one that has like several interesting parts jammed together yep yeah so all that said let me ask you eric uh about ratings On this show, as you know, as a long-time listener, from one to five stars, only in the scale of uh, the Fugazi catalog, that we always like to try to assign a rating to these songs. Um, ju- so for you, today, your current frame of mind, what do you think, mm-hmm. Eric? What's the rating that Night Shop gets? Well, you know, I absolutely love this song. Um, I I think it's, you know, possibly, I mean, well... I mean, I got a, a, a. There's a couple off of a, the argument. This in full disclosure, I absolutely love. Um, I, you know, I'd probably give this a four, four point five. Can I do that? Absolutely. I can do, I can, yeah, I give this a four point five. I, I just think the the complexity of it is 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 something to, uh, to really be in awe of. Yeah, that's very true. Although I have to say, for me, the, like the part that brings it down a little, makes it not one of my favorites, is that. Um, it's sort of really not complex for the first uh, two minutes of the song where it's ah, it's no. it's pretty repetitive sounding um, and mm-hmm. it just kind of goes on um, sounds cool but like it's it's I, th- I feel like it's when you listen to that part it's it can get a little bit samey <laughs> that's really the only criticism I can make of the song yeah but yeah I, I think that would makes it f- I, I want to say like a 3.8 or something. Um, okay, so yeah, that's fair. It does have such cool elements to it. Yeah, it really does. Love that acoustic vibe. It's it's somehow it's somehow like appropriate for a song called Night Shop. 
I, I think between that and the uh, the way the drums and Guy's vocals are mixed, like sort of in the background, yep. gives you sort of like a nighttime vibe in a way. That's um, it does. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if that yeah. played into why they ended up choosing that, but yeah, it certainly works for me. Choose you mean choosing the title? I or... I mean choosing the instrumentation. Oh oh yeah yeah. It's always like a guessing game. Like, what did they do first? Did they settle on yep. lyrics or the title or the entire, like, final uh, instrumentation of everything? All in all, though, I think I think it works. The and the sounds on this are really cool. Again, just like as as with the rest of this album, just really rewarding headphone listening. Cool stuff yeah. going on. Well, how about plugs? Never mind what's do you have anything uh, you'd like to point our listeners to in terms of uh, something you make or just where they can reach you? Yeah, um, well, I uh, like I said, or like you had said at the beginning, um, I'm an artist. Um, I do uh, a lot of drawings, um, so you can check me out um, on Facebook. Actually, my name on Facebook is, is different. It's Eric Eddy, E-D-D-Y, so sometimes you can see me. Um, post comments on the Facebook group. So if you're kind of interested in seeing what kind of art I'm doing, um, check it out. Um, one of your former guests, um, uh, Cole Pepper, I believe his name. Yeah, is. promising young yeah. man uh, runs yeah. a zine called Control. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I contributed some art to his last uh, last issue this past past March, I believe it was March or April issue. I can't remember. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, he's a, seems like a really nice guy. Um, it's funny. I, um, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Um, I had, um, thought to myself it'd be, it'd be really cool for my eighth graders as they, you know, are about to head into high school and get into those formative years. If I could maybe see if, if Ian would be willing to do like a Q and A with them. And as by long shot, I, I, sent him a letter to Discord House. Um, and I inc- <laughs> included a little picture that I drew um, <laughs> just just for fun. And uh, as I was putting it in the envelope, um, I, I, I looked at it and I thought, oh, oh goodness, it kind of looks like Ian. I hope he doesn't think that I like drew this picture of him. So I wrote in, in the letter, I said, look, you know, I'm including this picture. It's not supposed to be of you. So I hope you're not insulted by it or anything. <laughs> um, so I got a postcard back from him about a week later. And, you know, he said, yeah, you know, I know you said it wasn't supposed to look like me, but it, it I see the resemblance and I actually really <laughs> like it. So, um, so I, you know, I, I actually, I have a picture of that picture. I'll, I should, uh, I'll post it on the, uh, on the group site of uh, the Facebook group. If you, if you want, take a look, but anyway, anyway, and Ian was really cool. And he said he'd, uh, he'd like to, you know, do a, a question and answer with my eighth graders um, um, sometime within the next month. So I'm going to set something up on Zoom. And, you know, I had my students kind of do a little research about who, who, he, who he is. And um, I do play Fugazi for for my homeroom, my eighth grade homeroom every Friday. So they do have an idea. And and they, uh, they all kind of Google searched him and they thought it was really cool that he had his own Wikipedia page. And, <laughs> and, uh, and they, Oh my God, Nardwar interviewed him. So they, they thought that was really cool too. So, so these, these kids know of Nardwar. Oh yeah. That, that, yeah. They, why, they know why Nardwar. do they know him? Yeah. I, 
I don't know. I, <laughs> um, I, I, that was I feel like I'm so out amazing. of touch with kids these days. Like, yeah. I'm like, how how would they know that? Maybe maybe he uh, has interviewed uh, a popular like uh, uh, like a Billie yeah. Eilish or something recently or something yeah, like that. I don't probably know. yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, you know, I had him research, and they all had to you know come up with questions, and I. I wanted to read through the questions, obviously, and make sure they weren't going to ask anything stupid or boneheaded. You know, I certainly don't want to insult Ian, you know, for his, you know, um, for his time, but I thought it was really cool, really cool that he was able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely follow up on that. If uh, maybe, maybe post in the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook group and let us know how it went and if there are yeah. any, mention- any um, <clears throat> memorable things that, that came up um, or interesting yeah. tidbits. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to yeah. hear about that. Sweet. Sure. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, thanks for joining me, Eric, and uh, in tackling another mysterious Guy Pichotto song. I think we did a as decent a job as we could. Um, listeners, if you have interpretations that maybe escaped us, you could share that when I post about this show on the Facebook page, which is just the Alphabetical Fugazi. Um, yeah, just join that and you can comment uh, either beforehand or uh, posthand on these episodes if there's uh, an idea you'd like included for sure so um, other than that you can always email me at fugazi a to z at gmail.com and I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we will be discussing no surprise until then keep your eyes open this is my last